Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the Big Dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined today with two fine fellows. First up is Review Dude Josh. What's up, guys? You ready to talk about some mummies? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Also joining us for the first time, all the way out from Indiana, he's a regular member of the podcast Spoilers. Say hello, Money Mikey. One day only, Corey. Today is Mummy Mikey. Uh, I usually go by Money Mikey on my podcast Spoilers, but today is a special occasion. (laughs) I like it. Spooky, topical, checks all (laughs) the boxes. (laughs) It's stupid. (laughs) Mummy Mike on the mic. Look, man, it, it, that's that's kind of the point here, right? I mean, big dumb movie. <laughs> yeah. So, how you guys doing today? Good. I just got done watching this. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I hadn't seen it in a while, and uh, yeah, it's been too long since I watched this myself. Pretty nostalgic. Did you guys grow up on this movie? Is this one that like was a fan favorite as child as as children? I should say, Josh. Oh, absolutely. This was my shit growing up. And to be honest, this one and the second film, I remember watching the special features on and how they did... Because these are very, like, special effects-heavy films. And it really kind of got me into film at at an early age, watching all the special effects and shit like that, because it was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Absolutely. They really pushed the envelope in this series, which we'll talk about a little bit, but uh, what about you, Mikey? Yeah, this movie came out in, what, 99? So I was about 9, 10 years old at the time, and I remember watching this a lot because I was always a big fan of Indiana Jones, and this is just like Indiana Jones. With mummies. Yeah, it's just a little (laughs) more risque and funny, and I think the jokes are landing a little harder than... Not to say that it's better than Indiana Jones, but I, I, it's action-adventure movie. It's it's great. Absolutely. They were really going for the Indiana Jones thing, actually. Like, that that was p- definitely intentional. I, I've seen some people complain that it's kind of like a poor man's knockoff of Indiana Jones, but there's not a lot of movies of this type. Do you want to know what it really is? It's a video game called Uncharted, and... This guy is cracking jokes all the time, just like the video game character, and he's killing everybody, and there's always a a girl hanging around with him and stuff. Like, it's pretty comedic. Just punching people all the way till the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Blowing stuff up all the time. Getting women. Well, when Universal was going to do this movie, it was, like, originally pitched to be a horror movie, since it was originally a horror movie. I'm sure everyone knows this, but there's an old, like, 1930s The Mummy with Boris Karloff, and it, I think it's Boris Karloff. It, or yeah. maybe it's Lon Chaney Jr. It's one of those guys. I think it's Boris. It's probably Boris, yeah. And that was, like, a big hit. They did a ton of m- Mummy sequels like they did in the old Universal horror vein. But when they wanted to redo it in the 90s, they were going to bring it back as a horror movie, and they, they were kind of pitching it around to horror movie directors like Wes Craven and George Romero and even Joe Dante, the guy that did Gremlins. But when it came to that guy that directed it, his name is Steven Summers, he kind of wanted to change things up. 
it was going to be like I said a low budget ish horror movie I think they were shooting for like a 10 million budget oh my gosh but he wanted to basically do like an Indiana Jones style big adventure movie with like jokes and you know swashbuckling as they like to say so Universal kind of changed the tone with his ideas and they inflated the budget up to 80 million dollars which was a good move because this movie made a fuck ton of money. It made over $400 million worldwide. So it was a big success. Holy shit. It immediately got a sequel. And then a little bit later, it got a third one, which apparently is awful. I've never seen it. <laughs> You've never seen it? Not the third one. That's How the one is in it? China, right? Yeah. And two is Scorpion King? Yeah. Me and my dad have seen all three of these movies in theaters. So it's a it's a family tradition or what? It never really like in, seemed that way, but if you uh, looking back, I guess it kind of was. And the third one is it is it bad or what? Holy shit, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. It's not like the Legend of Chun Li bad, but it's it's not good. I will say that. <laughs> well, so few movies are the Legend of Chun Li bad. <laughs> Corey recently became somewhat familiar with that one, right? Yeah, I think I I feel like as much as I don't want to watch it, we're going to have to do a podcast on it eventually. Oh, definitely. Thank you. Since we did like the John Claude Street Fighter, we're going to have to do that one. But Like I didn't want to have to beg you for it, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about Brendan Fraser though cuz he's our leading man in this movie and I think he like plays the role perfectly and he's 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 really great for what this movie calls for are you guys fans of brendan fraser mikey do you have any like favorite brendan fraser movies or least favorite uh i don't hate him uh i just don't know if i've seen because he's like a little bit before my time i guess Th i know this movie really resonated with me and i like him a lot in this but other than like tarzan and maybe Georgia the Jungle, I think you mean. Oh, yeah. Georgia the Jungle and is it Bicentennial Man or? Oh, you're thinking of Encino Man. Encino Man. Yeah, I mean. Oh, th man. Those are like the only things I know him from, but I really like him in this. That was going to be my pick, honestly. I fucking love Encino Man. Such a solid, solid 90s film. But if <laughs> I, if I got to pick something different, has anybody seen him in Bedazzled? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A yeah, that's a good solid fucking funny film. That's another remake as well. Yeah. Yeah, he had a run there in the 90s for sure. Especially, like, I'd say the second half of the 90s with, like, Bedazzled and then the one with Alicia Silverstone where he was, like, in a bunker for his whole life. He was, like, raised oh, in, like... Oh, Blast from the Past! Yeah. <laughs> that's one that no one talks about. I forgot about that movie. I like Airheads. So Airheads is a 90s comedy. Oh shit, I forgot. Adam about Sandler, that. Steve Buscemi. I don't know if for those that don't know the premise, like they're like struggling rock musicians, like they have like a 90s like grunge band or whatever, and they're trying to get their name out there. So they get like these fake guns and they go and they like hijack a radio station and they force them at gunpoint to play their like demo tape on the air <laughs> so they can get some notoriety. And things just keep escalating from there. Yeah, like, it, at first, oh, like, the tape dark? doesn't work, so it's just, like, a bunch of shenanigans. No, it's, yeah, it's, like, wacky hijink-style shenanigans. Uh, you know another one? Monkey Bone? He's in that, right? Monkey oh Bone! My God. Holy shit! <laughs> I forgot about that one. 
That's one that Steve keeps bringing up like subtly. I think Steve wants to do a podcast on that one. That movie's crazy. <laughs> that movie is batshit insane. I think it's up there with like Cool World, right? Like it's like half animated or something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's like a, yeah, like half claymation. I haven't seen it in some time. Well, Brendan Fraser, I think, kills it in this movie. Let's talk about the movie itself. 1999, The Mummy. Not the 2017 one, for those that had any high hopes. We're not... <laughs> not today, anyway. <laughs> Josh, we're saving that one up, right? Oh, I, I guess we gotta build towards it. Much like, uh, you know, the franchise itself. After we finish... You gotta go through the whole franchise and then get to... We gotta reboot the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> reboot the Mummy podcast. <laughs> The dark, big, dumb movie universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, what, two movies? One, two movies? <laughs> I think we're all doing our best sad fleck impression while we're <laughs> discussing the movies. But we're talking about this one this time, 1999, The Mummy. Mikey, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the intro. We get some backstory to kind of get us established in this universe. Yeah, uh, so we're getting a voiceover from... The guy who leads the Magi. I, do you guys remember his name? I don't think they ever say his name, actually, but I looked it up and his name is Ardith Bay, but I don't think anyone ever calls him that. Like, they just say, like, hey, you, or like, hey, Chief, come check <laughs> yeah. us out. Uh, I think they um, start using his name in the sequel, but I, yeah, I don't think they say his name in this one. But he's really cool. He's uh, the leader of the Magi who are, like, protecting this city of Hamanaptra from, like, being discovered. Uh, but the movie starts off with voiceover from him and he's talking about Imhotep and Anaxinamun. They have a forbidden love and the pharaoh I guess ends up finding out about it and catches them in the act and they end up both murdering the pharaoh and things pop off from there uh, in terms of their punishment and stuff. Yeah, so a, a couple noteworthy things to me in that section is that she tells Emotep, she's like, you escape, like, I'll, I'll hold off the guards or whatever. And she, he's like, but you'll die. And she's like, yeah, you can just fuck, bring me back later. It's fine. It's like not a big deal. <laughs> really banking on that working. <laughs> yeah, they're like so confident that they can just like do magic. I guess magic was just like a thing back then, right, Josh? I, I mean, I gotta assume so. <laughs> what does hey, that mean? How would he know? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Aren't you an Egyptian historian? <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time, bro. <laughs> that was his major. <laughs> so yeah, like I yeah, she's just so confident. That, like yeah, you just do it. Well, was she wrong? I, it sort of worked. Uh, yeah, totally. Conveniently, well, it turns out you know it was easy to do it. So <laughs> who would have thought, right? But uh, Emotep, played by Arnold Bosley, he does get captured, and because he killed the Pharaoh, they do like the most extreme punishment on him. They give him magic, like they. Give <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that part. They give him unlimited power. Yeah, they give him fucking rad ass superpowers, and that's like a curse. Yeah, Palpatine style. <laughs> oh man, oh god, I, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but yeah. No, the thing is that they mummify him alive, so they wrap him up, and then they put him in the tomb, and then they pour a bunch of CGI scarab beetles on him, which like eat you very slowly. I remember watching this shit as a kid in the theater and like picking my feet up from the floor and putting them in my seat. I was like, nope, nope, 
No fucking <laughs> bugs today. Well, it makes a terrible noise when they're crawling around. Oh yeah. Very, very crunchy, scaraby. Yeah, the sound design is so good. The sound design is good. The effects are good, both practical and CG. I think, with the exception of maybe the Beatles themselves. But other than that, I, I really do like the effects in this movie. It's ILM, and oh, wow. apparently $20 million of the budget, of the $80 million budget, went to just CGI stuff with ILM, so that's like a hefty chunk. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, like uh, Josh said, I remember this being like such a new and special effects-heavy like movie that they haven't really done that before, and it kind of shows. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know if they hold up anymore. Like I'm, I'm watching, rewatching it like on silent now, and it's like the effects are okay, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, they're they're definitely good for '99. Yeah, effects are just so crazy now. Yeah, I really don't mind them. Um, and like I said, with the exception of the Beatles, but uh, yeah, he gets covered in these Beatles, which we see a, a lot more of later. And like I said, they they could have just mummified him, killed him put the Beatles in there, not done the curse, the magic Let's thing. Let's give but... us some rad-ass powers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> On the small chance that you get out of here, we're going to give you a whole lot of power. <laughs> we're going to make things a lot harder on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the backstory, which I think is quite nice because it could have been a big wall of text. I've seen lesser movies do that with these kind of elaborate backstories where they say like, once upon a time, there was an ancient pharaoh and blah, 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 blah. And it could have just, like, mm-hmm. stated that in text. But the fact that we see it, like, kind of fleshes it out more, don't you guys think? How would you rate this as a montage? Uh, up there with Ghostbusters. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty... I mean, it does explain the story in a pretty succinct way. And there are great scenes that they're cutting to. Like, the whole... He's getting wrapped up as a mummy and getting his tongue cut out and stuff. That's pretty good montage it's brutal enough like where you see this stuff like slightly off screen they can keep it pg-13 but you still feel like that cringe factor like when they cut out the tongue Mm -hmm. yeah this might be steven summer's best film uh maybe this or its sequel because he he really kind of started to suck around the gi joe area i'd say it was before that i'd say it was around van helsing oh i forgot he did that Oh, he's got some stinkers. <laughs> oh, yeah. This guy, he's kind of a hack. I'm going to be oh, honest. You know he... what? I'd also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the movie that I bring up all the time. 1994 live action, The Jungle Book. He directed that. Holy shit. That's like a common thing on this podcast. I always go to that movie <laughs> as often as I possibly can. I really like his film Deep Rising, too. Oh, I like that. That's a, that's a fun horror movie. It's a fun film. That's how we got this movie. Yes. But anyway, moving the plot along, Josh, we do meet our our hero, Rick O'Connell, like much later in the future in 1923. Why don't you tell us about what's going on with him? Well, he's participating in the Great Battle of Egypt or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like in some gunfight with a bunch of red shirts. And we're introduced to the man, the myth, the legend, Brendan Fraser, and his little funny sidekick, Benny. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the man, the myth, the legend, Benny. Cause well, yeah, cool. I was going to say, this. The, he's the true hero of the story, right? This man 
uh, he's the best part about the movie. He steals the show. Daddy! You're with me on this one, right? Oh, your strength gives me strength. He is very relatable, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why he's the real hero of the story. Played by Kevin J. O'Connor. When he has the gold at the end and like he looks at it and he goes back into the fucking the place to steal more and he ends up dying. Like I'm like, yeah, I would have probably gone for more too. <laughs> right. He's actually in, I think, like every Stephen Summers movie. Oh, that's cool. They're like friends. Yeah, they they became really good friends on Deep Rising. He's in this one. He's not in oh, The Mummy Returns for obvious reasons, but he's in Van Helsing as Igor, and he's Dr. Mindbender and G.I. Joe. He should have come back as the third mummy. Like, he should have been the third mummy. Yeah. They, he's like yeah, an established guy. Like, we know who he is. He has a relationship with our lead characters. He'd have, he'd have a reason to go after them. He was Emotep's assistant. Yeah. You could have brought him back in, like, maybe the second or third film as just a comedy sidekick mummy that Brendan Fraser is just smacking around. Like like a, like a weak-ass mummy? like <laughs> Learning his powers? Yeah, like a little pushover mummy that's still getting <laughs> shit on, even in death. So what happens with that battle basically is everyone kind of scatters and Brendan Fraser is, like, left alone in the desert. The Magi are just kind of like watching from a distance, like, eh, just let him die in the desert. Oh, so these are Magi trying to, this is like a third party. The Magi are just watching from afar. Yeah, I think they're, they're like battling over that city. Yeah, I think there's like two armies, so then the Magi are like, let's just check this out. Like, Yeah, we'll let them here. both wipe each other out and whoever's left, maybe we kill them. Uh, it cuts to three years later, and we get to meet uh, a couple of our other leads. So Evelyn, or Evie, played by Rachel Weiss, and her brother Jonathan, who is played by... Who might also steal the movie. He's fucking great. John Hanna. <laughs> there it is, John Hanna. What is it that you like about Jonathan, Josh? Just his whole shtick, I think, is pretty <laughs> fucking hilarious. Where he's just so comically scared all of all of the time you know always self-centered thinking that always self Brennan Fraser is referencing him when he's asking like how are you doing are you okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like the posh British guy that like wants to drink a lot and yeah he's always drunk isn't necessarily like a tough guy but I guess he's like along for the ride he's pretty cool he yeah he will rise to the occasion but he's not jumping out in front of bullets unnecessarily. Right. And he has a discovery that he brings to Evie. I guess as a quick side note, her introduction is her just being like the world's biggest klutz. <laughs> like she works, but also at the same time, she has incredible balance. Or is she the laziest librarian? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you just get off the ladder, lady? <laughs> yeah. The moment I couldn't reach it mildly, I would have gotten down. Yeah, that's way I'm too lazy. far. Yeah. Also, just why would you ever stack the bookshelves in that 
domino style. <laughs> Get some parallel lines going here. So just in case one falls over, then you can have a comical scene where they all fall over. A little too convenient for me. Took me out of the movie. Two out of ten. I was actually right there. That was my first thought as a kid. I, it took me back watching that scene. I was like, man, I remember thinking as a kid that like they were really set up in that perfect domino lineup. It's a cool what? scene. I mean, it looks awesome when it happens, but it's just such a dumb move on her part to not just get off the ladder. <laughs> if we ever get around to the sequel, they do kind of mirror this scene with, with her son uh, knocking over pillars in the second film. Which I think is kind of cool. They have a kid in the second one, or is that the third one? Uh, well, tech, well, I mean, it would be second and third because you know they they still got the kid. <laughs> oh, he makes it. <laughs> He's a grown ass man in the third movie, and <laughs> okay. he goes from being British in the second film to an American in the third film. <laughs> because fuck continuity. <laughs> well, he's got both halves. He's a turncoat. Yeah. And the mom's not Rachel Wise anymore. Oh, yeah. Who is it in the third one? I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. She's awesome. That's ridiculous. That I didn't yeah, the, Rachel Wise is so good in this movie. Well, she is presented from Jonathan with this key and map. And he says, look, I found this on a dig, which we later find out is not true at all. He's she just like jacked it from some drunk dude in a bar, which is Brendan Fraser. But uh, they actually have like a legitimate artifact. Like the curator guy like fucking ruins the map. So they need to go <laughs> talk to the guy that they got the map from, Brendan Fraser. Come, come. Step over the threshold. Welcome to Cairo prison, my humble home. You told me that you got it on a dick down in Thieves. Yeah, well, I was mistaken. You lied to me. I lied to everybody. What makes you so special? I am your sister. Yes, well, that just makes you more gullible. Jonathan, you stole it from a drunk at the local Casper. It's his pocket, actually, so I don't think Jonathan, it's very good. Jonathan, being so ridiculous? Now, what exactly is this man in prison for? Well, this I did not know. But when I heard you were coming, I asked him that myself. Yalla! And what did he say? He said he was just looking for a good time. This is one of the very memorable scenes for me is when they see him in jail. He's in there with like that that slimy warden guy who is really only in the movie so that he can die later. You gotta add to the body count. He's pretty funny though. When he's just so nonchalant about Brendan Fraser getting hanged. Any last requests, pig? Yeah, loosen the knot and let me go. Yeah, man! Of course we don't let him go! Yalla, buta! 500 pounds! Walk off, Andak! And what else? I'm a very lonely man. When he's just nonchalantly trying to Harvey Weinstein, Rachel Wise. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he sure is, isn't he? The 20s were a different time, Josh. <laughs> You can just get away with shit like that. A much worse time, but definitely a different time. Much worse time than like 2015. <laughs> Mikey, why don't you tell us about uh, Brendan Fraser and his short time in prison here? Uh, yeah, he looks like George of the Jungle when he's <laughs> he <does>. <laughs> talking he really from does. the cell. Uh, and he's just kind of making a deal with Evelyn here to get him out of jail so that he can show her the way to Hamanoptera. And 
he brings her in close and kisses her, and then uh, he gets his ass beat by the security guards that are right behind him, and then he's on a pretty quick track to go get hanged. I guess that wasn't allowed, <laughs> so no. he's immediately going to get hanged. You get the death sentence for that. Is that why they were hanging him? Because when they introduced the, him in that scene, the warden goes to ask what he did. I, th- I think he has a line of dialogue yeah, uh, where he's like, you know, he was just looking for a good time. And I think after discovering what he did, he was like, well, apparently he had a very good time. Yeah, they, they don't say exactly, but yeah, I remember that part. So, oh, all right, yeah. I did, is it because of the kiss, though? I could be wrong. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe he just saw that Rachel Weiss is trying to get him out, so he's bartering now. He's, like, playing his hand to get money If out of anybody's him. gonna Harvey Weinstein that girl, it's gonna be me. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, uh, well, I mean, like... I think that's what he was saying? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> No, it's going to be you. Actually, you, Josh, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to... <laughs> Edit point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Do you, th- do you think uh, Brennan Fraser, like... He looks like he's really getting hanged here. Like, that stunt was very real-looking. Apparently, I read on IMDb that he apparently died for real for, like, uh, like a couple <laughs> seconds, and they had to revitalize him. Well, I, I read another source. He, he didn't, like, die-die per se, but, like, he, he did pass out because they did actually tighten the noose, like, very tight on his neck at his request, because he wanted to make it look real. Are you serious? Oh my god. He had gosh. a back harness, though, I'm pretty sure, so. That's, I mean, that's how they do the hanging scenes, usually, so it was probably that. Uh, I like the right before he hangs, like the guy is like, all right, any last requests? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> so loosen the knot and let me go. And the guy's like yeah. confused for a second. He's like, oh shit, can I do that? That's a last request. It's like, no, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cute little scene. <laughs> That's the kind of comedy I like in this movie. Like it just works in this like kind of like stupid tongue in cheek movie. Yeah, it fires jokes like that throughout the entire movie, and I feel like, for the most part, they all land. At least for me. Me too, yeah. I'm into it. Same. So, uh, Evie, Rachel Weiss, her brother, they do get him free, and they get the warden to come with them. They basically say, alright, we're gonna go to Hamanoptera, which is like this mythical place. Maybe it doesn't even exist, but it's supposed to have a bunch of treasure and mummies and shit, and that's what we're all about, so we're gonna go exploring there. And they take a ship, and they find that there's another party of people, led by our friend Benny, that are also going to explore there. So, like, a lot of this movie from here on out is, like, these two adventuring parties going to Hamanatra and, like, them either working together or against each other. But there's some good shit on the ship, is there not, Josh? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of good character moments. You're talking about on the ship? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, When uh, Brendan Fraser first discovers Benny, he's kind of like hiding in the shadow and he like smacks him around a bit. And even though Brendan Fraser clearly wants to kill Benny, he still you can kind of see their friendship still there a little bit. What a surprise! My good friend, you're alive! I was so very, very worried. Well, if it ain't my little buddy Benny. I think I'll kill you. Think of my children. You don't have any children. Someday I might. Shut up. 
So you're the one who's leading the Americans and might have known. So what's the scam, Ben? You take them out into the middle of the desert and then you leave them to rot? Unfortunately, no. These Americans are smart. They pay me only half now, half when I get them back to Cairo. So this time I must go all the way. Yeah, and, and, it, and it stays that way, I think, consistently through the movie. Like, he kind of hates his guts. He won't, like, kill him outright, but, like, he tosses him off the ship, yeah. which is pretty funny. Well, there's a, there's a scene later in the film. I don't remember where exactly, but it just start The establishing shot is all of them around a campfire, and him and Benny are just right beside each other. Oh, okay. That's a nice touch. I didn't notice. That's, like, later when they're at the site. Yeah, that's when they're in Hominoptera. But yeah, I like how, yeah, you can kind of see, uh, even though clearly he wants to kill him for what leaving him behind all those years ago, there's still that bit of friendship. And uh, Jonathan with the, the Americans is pretty fun. Americans. This movie loves Americans, doesn't it? Oh, such an accurate representation. <laughs> Like, all the Americans are, like, badass, like, gunslinger tough guys, and, like, Cowboys. everyone else is not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all the British people are posh and don't want to get, like, dirty. Roger Ebert had some things to say about the way this movie, like, represents, like, Arabs, like, not kindly. Uh, I think it represents anyone that's not American unkindly, <laughs> not just Arabs. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Summers, uh clearly had a bias perspective. I mean, they knew their audience when they made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's most apparent, I think, because like the Magi, they've been like tracking them down because they don't want anyone to go to Hamanoptera to bring back the mummy because they're like, you know, they know that they gave him powers <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> Who would have thought that was a bad idea? Yeah. They show up on the <laughs> ship to stop this whole thing from going down. And the Americans, like, have a shootout with him, and you get that, like, very memorable scene of Jonathan. He looks at him and, like, in disgust, because they're, like, having a good time, like, shooting out with the Magi guys, and he just goes, ugh, Americans. Yeah, we do mm. that a lot. Hey, shoot first, ask questions later. You ask questions never, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mike, you may not know this, but Josh lives in Alabama, so that might actually be... Correct. <laughs> That's actually the state motto. <laughs> Shoot first, don't ask questions. It's in the state constitution. <laughs> so, like, the whole ship ends up going up in flames, and the two parties kind of got to go their separate ways. Oh, my God! Oh, Hey! Oh, God! It looks to me like I've got all the Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river! <laughs> we get a little bit of like a travel montage onto Hamanoptera, and they eventually meet there at the same time-ish. I think I think Brandon Fraser's party gets there technically first. Yeah, they had a little bet going on with the Americans. They had the $500 bet, yeah. I only gamble with my life, never my money. Ever. What if I was to bet you $500 says we get the Hamanoptera for you? You're looking for Hamanoptera? That seems like a lot of money for 1920s. Yeah, that's yeah. probably like 10,000 bucks today or something. I don't know. It's like, what, during the Depression too? I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I forgot about that. That'd be a life-changing amount of money. They just casually bet like 10 grand? Like, what's going on? <laughs> well, I guess uh, in in hindsight, you know, it won't matter much once we find all this Egyptian gold, maybe. I don't know. They, they really assume they're going to find the loot then. Yeah, they're, they're really banking on it. But I, I really like the when they're racing towards Hamanoptra, Brendan Fraser and Benny are riding side by side and Benny starts like whipping him with his like whip and everything and <laughs> he just throws him off his horse dude he goes under the hooves <laughs> there are so many good Benny and Brendan Fraser moments throughout the whole movie you know the looks like we got all the horses looks like you're on the wrong side of the river you know? yeah that mm-hmm. like became a meme somehow yeah yeah I saw a meme of that just the other day of all the points in the movie, like, yeah, that one became a meme somehow, like, many years later. But yeah, right. their interactions are cool. Uh, when they get to Hamanatra, like they said, there's two parties. There's our main group of heroes, and then there's, like, the secondary group of Americans and Benny. A lot of the movie in the second act is, like, kind of them exploring, which it does kind of slow things down a little bit, but I, I do really appreciate, the t- like, taking the time to, like, actually build up to this instead of just like them finding it and opening it right away. Like there's a lot of exploring, there's good use of the sets, the music. It's entertaining and there's booby traps and stuff, so it's not like totally boring. Yeah. And they set up the uh, the mirror thing with light, you know? The like light reflection thing where it's like one mirror to the other. Which uh, they set up early on so they can explain all the, the Hollywood lighting in the last act of the film. And compared to Indiana Jones, I mean, they're actually going out and digging stuff up. They're actually looking for stuff, I guess, instead of just stealing it from a <laughs> a tribe or something. Well, it belongs in a museum. Stealing the artifact from, like, a local tribe, like, that's their sacred relic. That gooey mummy belongs in a museum. <laughs> There's some good points in the dig, I think. Pun intended? The one of the ones I think you mentioned, Mikey, is like the booby trap. The like, they explain it, but like first we don't know what it is exactly. It's like the smoke that like disintegrates like the diggers' like skin and stuff, and like their flesh <laughs> is all melting. I love how they're just so blasé about. We need three guys to just kill yourself right now. <laughs> Go open up that mummy. <laughs> Any volunteers? Yeah, they're the, all right. I guess uh, they're paying the American money. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what they say it was? Salt acid or something? I don't even know if that's a real thing. Probably, but it messes these guys up. They melt. They give a good enough explanation for it to be, like, plausible. Yeah, just in terms of, yeah, like, deaths, like, on a PG-13 kind of scale, it's pretty grim. Yeah, and I like grim, so I'm all about it. There's a lot of body horror in here. A lot of... Mummy, or a lot of people just getting sucked dry and shriveled up and Ooh, stuff. Don't it's... say that out of context. <laughs> yeah, uh, phrasing. Mummy wants to suck you dry. <laughs> I'm phrasing on my part, sorry. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of gross stuff happening with these booby traps and mummies. While we're on the subject, let's just go ahead and bring it up. Like up until this movie, like I was not really scared of mu- like what is a mummy gonna do, 
right? Like, I read Goosebumps. The mummy's going to slowly walk towards me, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, when you see him actually, like, sucking the life out of people, it's it's pretty horrifying. I can't believe I'm about to make this reference, but it's like Scary Movie 2 when, like, they're in the haunted house and, like, a skeleton starts, like, chasing him. And the girl's yeah. like, we don't have to run. It's just a skeleton. And they go up and they, like, take one of its bones off. Like, and it's, it, like... it's just bones, Cindy. <laughs> yeah. I cannot believe I made that reference. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> you got to turn in your big dumb movie card. <laughs> one of the things I like about the exploring the tomb is a line from Jonathan. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. And I'm thinking, like, this is where you guys are making the mummy right now. <laughs> this is where they made the mummy. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, to me, it was like a fourth wall ism. I don't know. Just caught my fancy. Meta. But what happens is uh, the B team, like Benny and the American guys, they find, I think they find like Emotep's, his girlfriend, whose name I can't say. Oh, um, Anoxana Moon? They find her sarcophagus with like the organs. And then the other team finds, like, the Book of the Dead. Is that right? Yeah, they, like, put all of her organs in jars, I guess, and then also curse that shit, because why not? We're just throwing out curses. Well, it says right on the box, anybody who opens this is cursed, and I'll hunt you down and harvest your organs and stuff, and they totally ignore that, like any American <laughs> would. This curse will only activate if somebody is also cursed with another curse that gives them superpowers, in which case those double curses will combine together and you are fucked, right? Okay, well, all right. I, I have a, like a hypothetical for you guys here on like a serious note. So let's say real world, you're in like Egypt or some for some reason vacation or whatever it is. Uh, you and your friends stumble upon like this previously like untouched tomb of some kind and you find like this ancient gold box or something. And let's say one of your friends or something can like translate the hieroglyphics and it says what it says in the movie. You open this, you're gonna be fucking cursed, they're gonna eat your eyeballs, cut out your tongue or whatever. But it's like treasure. Would you do it? Yeah. I don't believe in curses. <laughs> Did I just watch these three I don't know, workers just melt before before my eyes <laughs> before I make this decision or am I going you know in blind? What? Let's say no. <laughs> so I didn't see it. Uh, well, it is the Great Depression, so you got to take that into account. I'm pretty broke at this point in Egypt, and I'm guessing I want to get out, so I think I would probably do it. Dude, my thought was kind of the same. I was like, I might still do it, if, especially if like, I had dedicated so much to this like dude. But, I mean, in the context of a movie, of course it's real. Well, I think they're good up until Rachel Weiss uh, reads from the book. They could have got yeah, out of Yeah, that's what really fucks You're him. You're right, actually. That's what wakes him up. That curse only takes effect if you also activate this other curse. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? This is, this is too many curses to be combining. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why didn't she have to read it out loud? Why didn't she just read it in her head? <laughs> like she reads like page one and it fucking like activates him. She's reading the slipcover and she just awakened uh, a 3,000 year old mummy. 
the fucking slipcover of the gold book just takes his fucking soul away. This is pretty convenient. The slipcover with like a picture of Emotep. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) He's like in a black turtleneck. It's like... (laughs) It's the picture of the author. Uh, Yeah, the headshot. He's got his hand on his chin. (laughs) About Emotep. Fuck. (laughs) That is fucking funny. But yeah, she does read from the book. It wakes Emotep up, and then they immediately get a locust plague. So, like, shit starts going south from here. (laughs) And we can talk about some of our favorite moments of shit going south. There's obviously a lot of scarabs and stuff. My favorite is the glasses guy, whose name I don't remember. Glasses guy? The glasses guy is, like, cruising around the mummy, or the mummy's cave. His glasses fall off, and he is, like, useless without his glasses. Like, he can't even see like two feet in front of him and then the mummy finds him and plucks out his eyes but here's the thing he doesn't have good eyes like why use his eyes you know oh you know what what is the mummy gonna have to like get a prescription pair of glasses too <laughs> he he sucks down those eyes and he also has macular degeneration like this dude has <laughs> just yeah. totally blind <laughs> He's got, like, cataracts or whatever. I don't yeah. know what's going on, but, yeah. Man, he's going to suck one of those Americans dry, and he's going to have a bum <laughs> liver from all the alcohol abuse. Yeah. It's like, fuck, I'm dying. Well, I love how all of his friends just bail on him and then step on his glasses. Or Benny steps on his glasses, like, on purpose. It's Benny, yeah, steps on his glasses. Oh, that was a Benny move? Yeah, classic Benny. <laughs> Benny is a walking disaster. He's constantly screwing other people over yeah even when he doesn't mean to it's just in his nature which is hilarious what are some of your guys like key moments about like when shit starts going south in the mummy tomb cave thing one thing that always stuck out to me is when she starts reading the book the the guy i don't know why the guy just running out and yelling do not read from the book No! You must not read from the book! Oh, the the dad from Jumanji? Yeah. (laughs) I love uh, when Brendan Fraser first runs into the mummy and screams at him, and then the mummy screams back at him. That is such a classic moment. That's like the trailer moment. Yeah, and then just blast him with a shotgun. That's always fun. What about Benny's encounter with him? Because like... Oh, it's so funny. Because he corners Benny, right, Josh? Yeah, he corners Benny, and Benny pulls out this cross necklace and starts praying. And when he realizes that doesn't work, he pulls out... About 15 necklaces. <laughs> and they've all got their own like individual like uh, religious symbol on them. And he starts just going through them one by one. May the good Lord protect and watch over me. The shepherd watches over his flock. Okay. He like goes to like the the funniest one is I think he pulls out like I don't know like a Chinese or some kind of mm-hmm. Asian one and he starts going like I don't know insert the clip uh, I don't want to sound racist. Oh, 
Why would he assume that one would work? Why? You're in Egypt, man. <laughs> yeah, immediately go for the fucking uh, yeah. Star of David, right? Right? Like, no, know yeah. the zip code. <laughs> yeah, know your zip code, bro. But that is a, like a cool gag. How he has like a religious pendant for every occasion, <laughs> like depending on what kind of like demonic force approaches him at any given time like he can like pray his way out of it yeah, well, yeah. i guess benny is pretty smart he knows a lot of multiple languages so maybe he's not totally useless it kind of says a lot about his character without saying anything about his character the fact that he is this sleazy piece of shit and he's got all of these religious symbols <laughs> Like, he doesn't believe in any of it. He's just covering his bases. He knows all of these languages, probably so he can fuck more people over. You know? I think it's a good character detail that kind of says a lot about his backstory. Yeah, definitely. But our heroes do escape this mummy tomb, and they I guess they go to, like, the nearest town or wherever. They get kind of, like, a, a, a minute to gather, like, what's going on. It is realized that Imhotep, the mummy himself, is coming after the people that like opened the specific box. Which, which is, it's the American guys, right? He's he needs to pick off the American guys, and he's gonna, as Mikey described him, suck them dry and then <laughs> regenerate himself. Hey, those were his words, not mine. That's what okay. the mummy said he was gonna those do. Those were your implied words. I'm just gonna slurp them all up, is what he said. <laughs> He comes back for glasses guy who not only did he remove his eyes, but he also like removed his tongue. I don't know. I always feel bad for that guy in the scene when he like knocks down his glass. You know, he's like, he's got the blindfold over. He can barely talk and he's kind of like fumbling around and he like, he's kind of, he's trying to acclimate to now being blind and partially mute. And he like knocks over his like cup of tea or whatever. And he just starts crying. Please forget my Oh, oh, whoops. Mr. Burns, Prince Imhotep thanks you for your hospitality. Oh. And for your eyes. And for your tongue. Oh. But I'm afraid more is needed. Oh. Gets me in the feels every time, man. <laughs> right, and Benny just sells him out. Yeah, I think I'd just be happy it was the mummy so he can finish me off. <laughs> I don't think there's much of a life to live after... Your eyes and tongue get taken out. You're like the the one random guy in Waterworld when the explosion goes off. It's like, <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah, like when life is that meaningless, I guess. Just, just fucking kill him already. Uh, we learn that uh, Emotep has a weakness, too. At least, like, a, a partial weakness for this phase of his transformation. It's like many guys I know. It turns out he's afraid of pussy. Thanks. I was saving that one up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Why? Did they ever explain that? Why? It's a throwaway line. Cats are the guardians of the underworld, and that's that's all you need to know, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> guardians of the underworld. Hey, cats. He's afraid of them. Get used to it. <laughs> I don't think they bring it up at all in the, the sequel. Well, the Scorpion King wouldn't be afraid of cats, right? The Rock? <laughs> The Rock isn't afraid of anything, Corey. <laughs> yeah. People's elbow that fucking kitty. He isn't afraid of any movie script, no matter how bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock will take it on. He's afraid of not lifting enough weight. Oh, my God. Oh, man. 
That was a solid joke. He has a he should fire his agent. He makes the worst movies, but somehow he still gets work consistent work. I I couldn't agree more. Like like at least seventy five percent of the Rock's movies are so awful. He does like the San Andreas. What was that building one where it's like this high tech? The tower is it Inferno or the Rock versus a building? Yeah, it's the Rock versus a building. That's the name. That's the European name. I tried to watch that one in theaters and then. It was like a blackout or something, and the power never came back on, so I just never got through that movie. I haven't seen it since. (laughs) Sounds like you dodged a bullet. I wanted to watch it. I had (laughs) an afternoon to kill. I was bummed. (laughs) That's literally the universe saying, no, you could be doing (laughs) literally anything else. Uh, Mikey, why don't you tell us about what goes on around here? Because Emotep is hunting him down. He, like... Turns all the locals into zombies. Starts like There's chasing no down. Classic heroes. zombie plague. You guys remember that one? The classic zombie plague from the Bible. Yeah, I uh, don't remember that specific <laughs> plague from the Bible, but <laughs> yeah, he's got now a walking army of people that he's like infected or something. He's obviously more powerful now. I mean, there's like fireballs falling from the sky. He's, I would say he's pretty powerful now. He's only eaten one guy, and he's got a lot of uh, superpowers back. He's got a pretty big advantage here. That, well, that's uh, the rules of the curse, too. Once you get brought back, you're Superman, apparently, so. Man. Yeah, you're impervious to bullets. You can teleport. You can, like, turn into sand and go through, like, a keyhole. If only we would have thought this curse through. <laughs> yeah. Really kind of fucked ourselves on this one, right? Well, they're only fucking their, like, ancestors. So, like, what, what do they care? Yeah, well, I mean, what, like, what are the pros to this curse? Because I feel like there are more cons than pros. Like, yeah, we killed the shit out of him, but he's going to get superpowers. But, but you know, we, we killed the shit out of him. <laughs> I love when he's leveling up after he just ate the first guy without any eyes and he's like standing in front of the fireplace and he's like growing more muscles and stuff just getting oh, jacked. Oh yeah, that's such <laughs> a good shot, especially for 1999 with the special yeah. effects. You see like the individual muscles growing back and stuff. Yeah. I really like when he kills uh, it's one of the other Americans and you see like a beetle crawling around through his jaw and he starts like chomping on it and eating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a big moment. The director had to fight really hard against the studio to keep that because when he was like showing him dailies and stuff, it was like unfinished and it took a lot of work for them to film that scene correctly because it's one shot of like the guy getting sucked dry in the air, the shadow, and then it goes over to him, it pans over and he bites the beetle. The unfinished version just looks like complete shit. So (laughs) the studio Mm. like couldn't see past that, but eventually after months, he was able to get that in the final cut. And it's like one of the big trailer moments too. Yeah, totally worth yeah, it. That's a cool, cool scene. But I mean, like he makes pretty quick work of all the Americans here in like a ten-minute span. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're. Yeah, they, they didn't really last long. They're a bunch of red shirts, turns out. He even captures Evie, and we we know that his plan now is to bring back his squeeze. And in Evie's body, I think, right? Yeah, I, I, that's the impression I get. Or he's going to, like, put her soul in Evie's body? And fuck the mummy? 
I think like in the beginning, he's just like, oh, is that what? What's her name? Anax and a moon. Uh, as soon as he sees Evie, uh, I think he's probably a little mummy drunk or something, a little sleepy. Doesn't <laughs> isn't exactly seeing straight, but yeah, he should recognize that it's actually the Pharaoh's ancient ancestor, which they get into in the sequel. Oh, okay. I was about yeah, yeah. She's like. That's when they really start retconning shit. <laughs> They're like, oh, turns out Evie was... Uh, Evie's ancestor was actually the one that told the Pharaoh about the love affair. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember the sequel that much, but that's how it's like kind of connected or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So, he takes Evie back to, uh, back to the mummy tomb, and our heroes have to go after them. Back to the crib. We get one of the really big moments, which is they like find this old like drunk former World War One pilot, I think, and they get him to fly them over there. Like, so we have Brendan Fraser, Rick O'Connell, Jonathan, the drunk pilot guy, and also the uh, the Magi guy has joined him at this point, Ardith Bay. But we see that big wall of like sand with like the CGI face in, which is. I thought you were going to say we see the big wall of CGI. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wrong. That's not wrong. You're not, yeah, you wouldn't be wrong. All I could think of watching that is uh, like Anakin Skywalker's worst nightmare. Like someone needs to make an edit. (laughs) There needs to be like an edit of like Anakin like scared and it's like that coming for him, like that big sand face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's such a good shot, they reuse it again in the second movie. The same exact one? Well, instead of sand, you ready for this, Corey? Hit me. Water. Boom. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, I guess. Anakin would be okay with that one. Yeah. <laughs> this was like a pretty... This was supposed to be like a pretty big deal for a scene, right? Like, this was so much CGI at the time. I thought this was like supposed to be pretty groundbreaking. Yeah, it, it definitely was. This shot was heavily in the marketing, in the trailers, posters, the big f- CGI face coming out of the wall, sand wall. It is a pretty cool moment, but it, it was definitely cooler at the time because it was relatively new and there definitely wasn't anything that looked like this good. My CGI 90s basic comparison is always the 1995 Power Rangers movie. <laughs> Which is a good good standard. That's your baseline? What you judge everything off of? It is for 90 CGI, and I'll tell you why. It is the worst CGI in any movie ever. So, like... <laughs> and that's a big-budget movie. That was a big deal. So... If you compare this, which is a four years later, like, it's just miles, miles ahead of what the Power Rangers was. How dare you insult the memory of Ivan Ooze's <laughs> great... Mech transition. Oh God. <laughs> no, but I, at what point, when you're firing a machine gun into this like face of sand, you realize you know what? I'm firing bullets into this face of sand, and I'm not doing this health bar isn't going uh, down any. Yeah, you're right. At some point, like the bullets don't work, right? Like it's <laughs> it's a fucking lost cause. It's not slowing them down. It's not doing shit. You gotta try. Well, he's also Encino Man, so I, I, well, I'll give him a pass. <laughs> yeah, he's like maybe not all there. <laughs> yeah, he's like just recently learned how to wheeze the juice. <laughs> oh god, dude. No one's gonna know what the fuck you're talking about. 
one. People watch Encino Man, Pauly Shore's finest film. Kashmir Rajneesh, why don't you just chill? No, but still. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro, and we figure we's a little juice. No, we sing the juice. We's the juice. No, 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 we sing the juice. No, we sing the juice. Hey, don't watch Encino Man. It's not good. <laughs> Josh, Polly Shore movies are not good. Well, in ter- well, you got to think about it in spectrum. In terms of Polly Shore movies, it's either Encino Man or In the Army. Now, there's nothing else. Polly Shore and the Spectrum; those are words that go together. I'll say that. But <laughs> let's move like, on. what are you gonna watch? Fucking Son-in-Law. Fuck that film. That's a deep cut. So Rick O'Connell and the gang, they they enter the tomb and they got to rescue Evie because Emotep is going to like put his ex-girlfriend's soul in her or some shit. I don't know. There's mummy magic going on. There's a lot to this final act. So I, I think like some of the parts before, we can touch on some of our key moments. One of the things that I really like is just like a set piece. And that's when um, the heroes walk into like the big treasure room. I just feel like that's kind of like a nice scene to see. Like, okay, there is a big thing of treasure in here. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily what they're seeking out anymore, but it's just, I don't know, it's kind of cool to me to see it. I get some serious Aladdin vibes. Like, I keep thinking like a magic carpet's gonna like pop out and like start like messing with them or something. But that's one of the moments I like. What about you, Josh? Oh, man. Uh, in terms of just memorable stuff obviously like i'm a big like i fucking hate bugs which is part of the reason why the the scarabs kind of fucked with me as a kid but (laughs) the scene where jonathan gets a scarab in his fucking arm and they have to carve it out oh that's pretty fucking brutal and i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy yeah it's like uh, taking a cue from another 1999 movie that year like the matrix when he has like the little squid robot thing and his like uh, belly button or whatever oh, but yeah, in movies yeah. i always think it's weird when they get like something burrowed under their skin with no entry or exit wound to show for it you know like it can mm. just go inside the skin and the skin just stays unbroken somehow <laughs> i guess it's mummy magic right that's the power of pg-13 <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate power exactly Mikey, what are some moments for you that you like there? Uh, I like both moments you guys brought up. I like anytime treasure is found or anything. I love that in Indiana Jones and National Treasure movies. I think that's always fun that they're like confirmed that they were right about the treasure. Or three ninjas kick back. <laughs> no. Three ninjas. <laughs> I love the uh, scenes with the super jacked mummies that can crawl on walls and stuff that have all the crazy armor armor and shields and stuff. Those guys are so fucking cool. All right, so there's two kinds of, like, henchmen mummies in this, like, scene about. So Emotep resurrects, like, like the weak-ass, like, mummies, like the regular, like, henchmen, like the putties of mummies. <laughs> and, like, Brendan Fraser's just, like, hacking them down with a sword, just, like, whooping their ass, right? But then they bring the, like, the, the hardcore mummies, like the black ones. <laughs> the, like, black... Instead of gray or whatever. The elite mummies. Yeah, I had flashes of like a video game where like, oh fuck, there are two types of enemies on the field and you gotta like swap up tactics and everything. It's like an RPG. It's like there's like the slime and then like (laughs) when you level up, it's like gray slime. 
<laughs> We've made that joke before in Surf Ninjas, but yes. You know, I haven't played an RPG in many years. I don't know if that's still relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like thinking of like Chrono Trigger. I think that's cool. And then like the whole time Jonathan is trying to decipher the gold book or what? It, what is it called? The book of Amun-Ra or something. Yeah, yeah the book of the not death the life the book of the living probably but he's also an idiot so he doesn't know how to read hieroglyphics anymore and he's like trying to figure it out he's half drunk and rachel weiss is telling him how to read luckily what he needs is like right there on the slip cover if he had that like actually like start digging for it and look for the exact like chapter or whatever you know things might have turned out differently they're getting really lucky with these slipcovers. Or unlucky, I guess, depending on the... <laughs> yeah, because this, this book is locked, right? He's... He can't even get it open. Yeah. It's a good thing that Locke worked for Emotep's tomb, the book, <laughs> and this one. Literally everything. Uh, the backyard fence. I think there's four <laughs> distinct things that it works on. The yeah. garage... Uh, Very not like a video game where you gotta get a yellow key card and then a red key card yeah. <laughs> and the blue one later on. It's a master key. Yeah, I guess it's like a master key. Uh, there's there's more beetles and that's eventually how Benny gets taken down. I know we talked about this earlier, but like he eventually bails, being the coward that he is, and he leaves with some treasure. But then he he's looking at it and you can tell he's like, this is not enough treasure. Like I need like more. So he makes the mistake of going back in and later on gets trapped when the whole place starts to go down. Yeah, he's already got two like bags on the back of this camel here and he's just so greedy he goes back. It's his own fault. Definitely. Yeah, I... Just in terms of being a PG-13, his death, even though it quickly fades to black, this again, the sound design is... Oh my god, it's like bone chilling to me. Or at least it was as a kid. It's, you know, it's not as effective watching it as an adult. I think it's pretty good, like, you, because it's bad enough that he's trapped in the room, ironically, with the treasure that he sought. Being trapped in there and just, like, dying of dehydration or whatever it would be is bad enough. But then all the fucking scarab beetles show up, and it's like, remember, they said they eat you very slowly. Well, they... Yeah, well, they... They say that, but then we see him yeah. eat people in like a split second. So they just oh, yeah. <laughs> cover one right? of the worker guys in like five seconds, and he's now a petrified corpse as soon as they leave. <laughs> Holy him. shit, you're right. So yeah, I guess it depends how hungry they are or whatever. Well, I guess you know what. Thinking back, it's probably the luckier death because you're killed instantly rather than starving three or four days later from dehydration. Good point. And uh, Emotep faces off with Brendan Fraser. I think what they do, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is someone reads from the gold book and then turns him human, and then Brendan Fraser just uh, stabs him. him. Just gives him a yeah. hearty poke right in the tummy. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> turned off the cheat code, and then Emotep couldn't hang. <laughs> he didn't have his combos up, bro. <laughs> He didn't block. God mode over. <laughs> you zigged what you should have zagged. <laughs> so they take him out for now. I mean, you know, he comes back, but... He gets dragged into a black goo pit. 
filled with yeah. what souls or something or it's a big CGI puddle, right? Is it that ghost thing that like his girlfriend like comes through like that same th- kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Oh no, yeah. you're right. It's it's that like yeah, like all of a sudden like the ghost of like a carriage ride comes through and like takes his soul. No, that's how he loses his immortality. It's like a ghost carriage comes through. A ghost carriage Uber <laughs> runs through this pyramid. Not only is yeah. there like the implied like ghost horses, but there's implied like ghost wood and wheels. That's yeah, go- <laughs> a 13 ghost moment. The ghost carriage shows up and he gets in the ghost Uber and it's like, you want a water? Do you want, what do you want to listen to on the radio? You want a ghost water? <laughs> He's like, see you later, immortality. And then he gets stabbed. And the whole place ends up like going down because of like one little booby trap like switch. Like, <laughs> so stupid. Benny causes it. And at the end of these kinds of movies, there's always like the whole place has to like be like falling down to pieces like Indiana Jones and uh, like, what's the last Indiana Jones? Um, not the Crystal, Crystal Skull, Skull, but the... Oh, I was about to say, no, it's definitely The Last Crusade, because they didn't make one after that. <laughs> the la- Yeah, The Last Crusade, like when the whole place is like falling to pieces at the very end and they have to escape. That seems to like always be the case if there's like a cave or a tomb at, at the last set piece. Even Three Ninjas Kick Back, Josh. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the whole place has to like collapse somehow, and they do that by one little booby trap. Even primitive cultures knew how to build a self-destruction button. Yeah. I love uh, when they're trying to escape and we see all these, like, giant rocks kick-flipping in the air and stuff from the city. It's just <laughs> just giant pieces of land flipping all over the place because this this booby trap was so devastating. Just doing sick kickflips, like 360 <laughs> yeah. flips. Just grinding on other stones. Pop shovets with this... <laughs> Yeah, pop shove it. <laughs> pop shove it. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. Pop shove it. <laughs> now I got Tony Hawk flashbacks. Do a nine hundred. But the the whole tomb collapses, and fortunately, our heroes escape. Even Ardith Bay, who we, who we might have thought died because he was just like holding <laughs> off henchmen mummies for a while there. Even he gets out of there. Just shows up out of nowhere. Well, actually, he was actually originally supposed to die in the script, but Stephen Summers just really liked the actor, and they became friends, so he decided to write in the scene last minute where he lived. (laughs) I like him. hes I think he's awesome. I mean, that's funny. That's like a favor to the actor. I'm not going to kill your character. I'm changing the (laughs) script for you, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty solid, right? I mean, he's a bigger part in the sequel, right? From what I recall? Yeah, he's like... Uh, yeah, he's... He's the Han Solo of the of the sequel. Yeah, he's awesome. There's like two Han Solos competing with each other. Who's the most Han Solo-ish? <laughs> Brendan Fraser and this guy. Who needs people less? <laughs> who, yeah, who can punch people through the whole movie the most? But the place collapses like we described. They get out of there. The guy, Ardith Bay, kind of like gives Rick O'Connell like a nod of respect and is like, we have done it. We have saved the day. And he like rides off into the sunset and then Rick O'Connell grabs Evie and they have like their romantic kiss, like the the official kiss that we've kind of been waiting for in a way because, well, the first one was kind of rapey. And then later <laughs> uh, the kiss gets interrupted when she like passes out drunk. And then now we get like the official one. Do you guys think this moment was earned? 
I um, feel like it was because they have some genuine character moments. I thought so too. Yeah, Corey, they just saved the whole world. I think they deserve a little <laughs> smooch. That's fine. When they're bickering about saving the whole world, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. funny. They also get some treasure in the end. No, I liked it. I, I think they had actually great chemistry, like the two of them together. I think, I think it's a good like match. You can tell when something's off in movies like this when the chemistry isn't there. Like it, it doesn't seem quite right, you know. Oh man, you got got me thinking flashbacks of the third movie when they recast her and the chemistry's not there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get there. I don't know. I don't want to say <laughs> no definitively, but. <laughs> but also no definitively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck gently. <laughs> well, that is The Mummy 1999. Before we go into ratings, do you guys have any final thoughts, things about the movie we missed? Anything you want to touch on? Mikey? The music is pretty good. I don't think we talked about that, but uh, I think it fits pretty well. I really like the score. Goldsmith. Yeah, the set design is cool, too. They got go to a lot of cool places. Uh, and like we said, the special effects. I mean, we can't talk about that enough they were pretty impressive and mind-blowing for the time so i think this movie holds up pretty well josh any final thoughts before ratings uh coincidentally you know they just happened to pick the camel that benny had thrown the gold on so they also got rich at the end of this thanks benny i didn't even notice that they they are very very rich in the sequel and yeah it's explained because of that that's cool well I guess it is time for ratings and Josh why don't you give us your rating on any rating scale you want what are you going to give the mummy go I think I'm going to give it 7 CGI screaming face mummies out of 10 <laughs> what a, a really good popcorn film you can kind of just shut your brain off a little bit, not think too much about the plot, and then just enjoy the action and the the special effects. Fair enough. Not a bad rating. I'm, I'm similar to you. I'm like in the same ballpark. I'm going to say six and a half mummy henchmen out of ten. <laughs> I think it's just a fun movie. And this movie is pretty like well-beloved and well-remembered. And I was wondering if it would maintain that for me when I rewatched it. And I think it did for the most part. Most things hold up. I, I know what it is going into it, and I accept it for what it is. It's fun. It's got decent comedy. It's, you know, it, it's a romp. And romps of this type are seem to be pretty uncommon. Especially nowadays. So, you know, when they do pop up, I appreciate them. If, if movies like this were overdone, I would probably hate them. But the fact that they're like, the good ones are few and far between, I like it. Mikey, what do you think? On any rating scale you want. It doesn't have to be a yes or no. Uh, well, I'm going to give it a yes, uh, but I'm also going to give it 8 out of 10 flesh-eating scarab beetles mm. to go along with that rating. Uh, I like it a lot. I hadn't seen it in, I don't know, I would want to say like 10 years, but... Uh, it was just so funny and uh, I really got back into it and I forgot how good Brendan Fraser is in this movie and so is Rachel Weiss. Every, everybody's pretty good in this movie. I like the cast a lot. Um, yeah, I would say uh, kind of mimicking that this isn't so much a plot driven film as it is a character kind of 
character fun moments and special effects uh, mm-hmm. extravaganza type of film and it's just such dumb fun like turn your brain off and just listen to the jokes and watch the cgi mummy chase people so it's a lot of fun i liked watching it and yeah it was pretty nostalgic for me because i remember watching it a lot as, as a kid nice now i do want to say before we uh wrap up that the reason we're doing this movie on big dumb movie is because it was actually a listener request that i got in an Apple Podcast Review. I'm going to read the review really quick and give this person a shout out. It's from Chris739. says, Big Dumb Movie is a great podcast full of informative hosts who know how to make fun of, but also show admiration for Big Dumb Movies from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Funny, silly, and surprisingly informative. Great pod and great job. The only thing missing is a review of The Mummy and or The Mummy Returns. So... Hopefully this satisfies his requirement of doing the mummy. The mummy. We might also do the mummy returns at some point down the road, but uh, I really wanted to do a movie that was requested from someone that actually listens to the podcast because the listeners they they don't reach out too often. You know they listen to the podcast and they you know whatever move on and that's fine. I'm the same way. But the fact that he reached out, I figured it would be nice to do this movie for him. So this one's for you, Chris. Yeah, Chris, we're never going to do that again. So you got your one chance here. (laughs) You got the mummy, so live with it. Don't bother sending in any more requests. It was only for Chris. (laughs) I have gotten some other requests of like extremely random movies, which I'm a little bit more hesitant to do, like stuff that's less well-known, but I will probably get to eventually, I'm sure. Josh, where can people find you if someone wanted to hear more of Review Dude? All right, so you can type Review Inc., INC or review dude D-O-O-D on your search bar and you can follow me and watch me talk shit about movies because that's really what I do. Show is. And Money Mikey or today Mummy Mikey if people wanted to hear more of you where could they do that? Uh, well you can find me weekly on Spoilers Podcast. Uh, I do that with a couple of my friends every week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at spoilers underscore pod, or you can follow me at Mikey Toller. I like to post my letterbox reviews and talk about movies and stuff on Twitter. So I like to have fun on there. Uh, if you want, you can follow me or the spoilers podcast. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. It has been a lot of fun. If you want to write in, you can email us at big at gmail.com or you can leave us a written Apple podcast review like Chris 739 did. Uh, find us on YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Our Instagram is Big Dumb Movie Podcast. Reach out to us. As you can see, we may do a fan request if you send one that, I don't know, catches my interest at the time. <laughs> if you happen to be Chris. Any final thoughts, guys? Uh, no. Uh, this is a solid film. I really like it. I have a quick question for you, Mikey. Shoot. Do you believe in God? i'm just kidding i'm benny shaking with uh every (laughs) a pendant from every religion in my hand like just trying to avoid this question yeah (laughs) all right it's been a fun episode we love you and good night see you guys